Thank you very much. Uh, just yesterday we read Parsha Chayisora, that's the Parsha about the uh, Shiduchim. And the Pasuk says, May Hashem Davor. And the Talmud points out that we have Sukim in the Chumash and in the Nevi'im and in the Ksuvim that indicate that Zibugim Amin HaShemayim. So many people make a mistake and they think that they don't have to be so selective, they don't have to be so choosy about uh, whom, whom they're going to marry. You'll propose to the first girl, or the girl will uh, make herself available to the first boy. And if it's meant to be Menashemaim, it'll be. And if it's not meant to be, it won't be, because the Gzeri is Menashemaim. This is not, this may be a, this foolish view may be shared by many religious Jews, but this is not the Talmudic opinion. Uh, the Gemara insists that a person has to go out with uh, the girl a few times before he proposes. We don't say, let him just propose to the first girl, and if she'll accept his proposal, that's a simon, and it's been a shemaim, and if not, not. The Gemara says he has to make sure that uh, he's satisfied with the girl. Uh, if he, he won't be satisfied with the way she looks, then later on in life he will be in violation of the mitzvah of Yehavta uh, the mitzvah we have to rachakamach means after we have to show love to all Jewish people, but it doesn't mean we show love to everybody equally. I'm not supposed to love my next door neighbor's wife as much as my love uh, to my own wife. There are different levels of love. You have to love your own wife. You have to love your parents. You have to love your children, your brothers, sisters, your neighbors to a different degree. So the love that one is expected to have towards his wife is supposed to be such a love that uh, to make sure that he really loves her. So you have to make sure that uh, he finds her appealing. And the girl has to make sure that the boy is appealing to her as well. So the Talmud does not have this attitude that uh, just propose to the first girl and either it's Menashamayim or it's not. Furthermore, the Talmud says that although on, on Tisha B'Av we observe a period of Avelos, we observe a, an aspect of mourning, and one is not permitted to arrange for a chasana. On Tisha B'Av one is permitted to get engaged or even to get married to do Kiddushin as long as you don't do any son Kiddushin, just to give the ring and say, Hariyat Mukadesh This itself does not, just Kiddushin itself does not constitute an act of Simcha. So the Gemara says, so why is it permissible to get married on Tisha B'av? So the reason that's given by the Gemara and quoted in the Shulchan Archa, Shemi Kadbenu Acher, we should be afraid that maybe someone else will chapais uh, this girl. Um, we don't say, either it's Men or it's not Men so why should I waste my time? What am I worried about? If this girl is meant for me, so I can wait till after Tisha B'av? No. Uh, maybe the girl is meant for you, but you still have to work on the Shidduch. Uh, furthermore, the Talmud tells us that this concept that the Zivugei Mam only applies to Zivik Rishon, uh, by the first marriage. It doesn't apply to Zivik Sheni. So this is a question, how do you translate that expression, Zivik Rishon, Zivik Sheni? So usually in Yiddish, we call the first marriage is called Zivik Rishon, and the second marriage is referred to as Zivik Sheni. The Meiri, in his commentary on this Gemara in the first half in Soto, interprets that Zivik Rishon means if the boy and the girl are getting married, the girl is just 11, 12 years old, and the boy is just 13 years old. So they don't really, they're not really developed yet, they're not really mature yet. So that's Menashamayim, that's determined Menashamayim. But if the boy is uh, 22 years old, and the girl is uh, 19, 20 years old, so everybody is Zivik Sheni. And nothing is Menashamayim. That's how the Miri comments on that Gemara. And that's what some assume is the opinion of the Rambam. The Rambam writes in his commentary to Pirkei he wrote the commentary on Mishnayis, and then he has an introduction to his commentary on Pirkei which has eight chapters in the introduction. Uh, so, uh, for lack of a better name, it's known as the Shemayin Prokim La Rambam, the eight chapters of introduction to the commentary on Pirkei So the Rambam writes that Shiduchem Anat Min it's up to each person to determine whom they're going to marry because the Pasuk says in Echa, 
doesn't cause people to sin it doesn't cause people to do mitzvahs he gives us that we can choose uh, to be Yirei Shemaim or not to be Yirei Shemaim so the Ramam says if you know Shemaim they're going to be Goyzer that I should marry this wonderful Tzadikah so she's going to be Mashpi Ami that I should become a Tzadik if you know Shemaim the Goyzer I should marry this woman who's not religious who's a Masha she's going to cause me to sin so it cannot be that Mina Shemaim the Goyzer whom I should marry this is all up to us. So on the bottom of the page, in the regular edition, standard editions of the Gemara, you have the footnotes. In the footnotes, you have the comments of Rabbi Yanke Femden. So he says, how can the Ramam say that? It's against the Gemara. The Gemara quotes the Psukim from Parshish Chayisora, from Nevim, from Ksuvim, that she do Hamam in Hashemayim. So some, uh, many explain that the Ramam obviously must have assumed that the Pshat in the Gemara is like the Miri. The Ramam himself got married late in life, later than us. Uh, Ramam and I guess in his community they used to get married by the Spartan they get married uh, later in life so, uh, so he's talking about everything by him as a Vikshay so nothing is Menash when children grow up they go through different stages in development and all of the stages are important the Gemara in Yuma tells a story that one of the Chachamim had a child who was very wild and was smashing all the plates in the house so he went to his uh, Rebbe to ask him, what should I do? Should he tie up the kid's hands and feet and uh, lock him up in a room? So the Rebbe said, no, you should go to a store and buy old second-hand china dishes that are worthless and let the kids smash away. That it's important that every stage of the child's development, that he should go, that, go through that stage of his development. In fact, uh, there, there was a prominent Tamachachim who lived in Montreal, passed away recently, Rabbi Hirschsprung, died a few years ago. So he was a very big Tamachachim at a very young age. He was the Bochein for the Shivas Chachmei Lublin when he was only 15. He used to travel around Europe to give Bechinas at the age of 15. He was giving Bechinas to all the, old, all the older boys to decide who's going to be accepted in the Yeshiva. So he once bemoaned to me that he feels cheated, that he never had a childhood. He never played. He never used to play with the other kids. He missed up as a stage in his development. And when I met him, he was in his 80s and he felt that he was missing something. Every, that's what the Gemara says. Every person has to, every child has to go through different stages in development. People, uh, even after they're past the stage of uh, breaking dishes and hanging, the, swinging on the chandeliers and pulling down the drapes and so on and uh, breaking everything in the house, we go through different stages uh, of different shtick. We watch television, you go to the movies, you read the newspapers, uh, sports. Everybody in America is into sports. I was just at a Shabbaton yesterday, so one of the Rebbe's, who's already a mature person, has uh, grown children. He was reviewing some major baseball game that happened after 15 years ago, who was winning and who was losing. I don't know what in the world he was talking about. He, st- he still remembers his Giris of the Yankees about the sports. So we go through different stages in America after smashing the dishes and after swinging on the chandeliers and after ripping down all of the drapes and everything, other shtick. But we have to realize that we're going to outgrow all of this. We're going to have to become mature adults. Unless we plan all of our lives to keep up with all of these uh, narishkeiten, with, with the movies. Okay, so we have to define ourselves. We have to decide when do we think we're mature? What kind of a person are we? Before we are mature... It doesn't make sense to start dating because the Talmud has a principle If you don't know what you're looking for you will not succeed in finding it. So if you're looking for someone who's compatible to yourself so first you have to know who you are. 
And you are not all of that shtick. That shtick is only uh, superficial. That's only temporary by most people. Most people are going to outgrow all of this. So a person has to first make up his mind, who am I? And then after he realizes honestly who he or she is, then he, be- then he, can, begin, then he can begin to look for a spouse who will be compatible. If the person doesn't know who he is, then he won't be able to uh, recognize uh, who is a compatible uh, mate. Yesterday I was at the Shabbaton, so I stayed at the, they put everybody up in different homes in Woodmere. So my fortune was to stay over at the home of a psychologist. So I told him I'm speaking tonight about marriages. I want to know what's the percentage of divorce, what's the divorce rate in the general population in America. So he says it used to be close to 50, 50%, and recently went down to 40%. Then he asked him, what's the divorce rate in the Orthodox group? So he says approximately 10%. He doesn't know if it's going up or going down. He doesn't know whether that's the modern Orthodox or the Haredi. They haven't made sufficient surveys to go into the details. 10% is a disaster. The Chachamim tell us that one who gets married, married all of the Moors. Just last week, a young man came to me in tears. He's married six and a half years. His wife is expecting baby number three. And he says he, he doesn't see any way he's going to have to get divorced. He, he made a mistake from day number one. It's not from my issue, from out of town. It's a, it's a disaster. So before a person starts looking for a mate, they should uh, think seriously uh, who they are and uh, who, who, how do they visualize themselves when they will remove all of the shtick and they'll become responsible individuals and mainly what kind of a spouse are they looking for? The Talmud tells us that uh, the Bezim Shalmailah only punishes for sins violated after the age of 20. That's the famous comment that Rashi has in the beginning of Parshas Chayisora, yesterday's Parsha, that uh, the Pasuk says that Sora reached the age of 127 years, so it says 100 years and 20 years and 7 years. So Rashi quotes from the matters. Why does he say 100 years and 7, 20 years and 7 years? He says 127 years. So Rashi says that the, the compared, that she, at the age of 100, she was like at the age of 20, just like at the age of 20, she was clean from sin because the heavenly court doesn't punish anyone for sins that they violate before the age of 20. So to the age of 100, she wasn't responsible for any sins. She didn't do any sins. The Talmud tells us, though, that a boy and a girl are responsible in the Desmond Shalmata. The, the court here punishes people, holds people responsible for sins that they do after the age of 12 or 13. By a girl at the age of 12, by a boy at the age of 13. So apparently there's a, um, a process of maturity. The process of maturity begins about the age of 12 or 13 and continues to the age of 20. And uh, so the Bezim Shalmailo, the heavenly court, is very lenient. They, uh, they consider us as immature, uh, not fully uh, um, aware of what we're doing till the age of 20. And Bezim Shalmata is more strict. And they hold us responsible for sins that we violate from the beginning of the maturity process. So the Mishnah tells us that a boy is supposed to get married approximately age of 18. Why don't we say he has to get married at Bar Mitzvah? The day becomes by mitzvah. He has to fulfill all the mitzvah. He has to start putting on tefillin. He has to start davening, saying, Kriyashma, why doesn't he have to get married? The answer is obvious. He's not mature enough to pick uh, the right spouse. So the age of 18 means halfway through the process. Between the age of uh, 13 and 20, a person matures. So a little past halfway through the process, that's when he has to start looking. That's when uh, he's sufficiently mature to know where he's going to be at the age of 20. 
Ah, in America we have so much stick, we have so many more hang-ups. Not, we're not just uh, smashing klicheris, uh, and we're not just hanging from chandeliers. We're into the baseball games, and we're into all the magazines, and into all the television programs, and into all the shtick. There was one boy in yeshiva who, who was going with a girl, and everything was going... Baruch Hashem, they married, they have a few children. But when they were going out, so the boy and the girl was a religious girl. She wasn't interested in having a television at home. The boy said, no, he can't live without this weekly program. He has to watch his weekly program. He was prepared not to marry the girl because it was a weekly program. The weekly program is more important to him. Then marrying the sweet girl, sweet girl from a sweet family, wonderful. Anyway, finally he overcame his mishigas, and he proposed to the girl. And I think they don't have a tell. I didn't ask. I don't know if they do or they don't. Have a <laughs> Maybe she gave in. Maybe she gave in. They rented television once a week. For the, I don't know. <laughs> so we have so many more hang-ups, more than in other uh, societies. So we shouldn't begin to look for a spouse until at least we're halfway towards maturity, so we'll know ourselves and we'll know what we're looking for. There's a uh, common misunderstanding that some yeshiva boys make, that in the yeshiva they learn the chavrusa, the system is that they learn with another boy. When the uh, bishops came to visit the yeshiva, that's what they wanted to understand, what's the secret of the chavrusa? They want to introduce chavrusa studies in their seminaries. They think this will save the Catholic religion. They're trying to understand how come anyone who goes to university does want to go to the seminary to become uh, a clergyman. And how come here at Yeshiva University, everybody goes to university, they become uh, rabbis, more and more rabbis. So what's the secret to our success? So they, they, they decided that it's the Chavrusa system. So they came to the Yeshiva to snoop on how the students learn Chavrusa. Everybody knows the story. So some of the boys think that uh, when they're looking for a wife, they have to look for a different Chavrusa. This is, now they have to look for another Chavrusa. So when they go out on dates, or when they're engaged, they try to learn with the girl to see if it's going to work out. I think this is a little ridiculous. There are many... A wife is not intended to be a chavrusa. There were many tzaddikim, many tamidah hachamim, and past generations, present generations, who do learn the chavrusa with their wives. That's wonderful. It's famous. Rabbi Zalman Meltzer used to learn with his wife. In fact, she wrote over his shiur. And the manuscript of the sefer that was given to the printer is her... Handwriting. It's a woman's handwriting. Beautiful. It's not Rabbi Sazama's handwriting. She learned Bacharusa with her husband. But that's not the main... He wasn't looking for that in marriage. That's not the main thing to look for in marriage. Uh, people have to... The boys have to know what to look for in marriage. Now, what is one supposed to look for? So, uh, there is a famous Purim Torah. That's uh, basically a joke. But every joke has a kernel of truth to it. This Purim Torah has uh, passages in the Talmud. So, the... Um, Pasuk says in Megillah Esther that uh, Esther was a Yisayma, she had no father, she had no mother, and she was raised by her relative Mordechai. So the Pasuk says, Vatihi lo levas, he raised her as a daughter. So the rabbis of the Talmud say, Vatihi lo levas, atikri basta levayis, and basis alishto. He raised her like a daughter, but she wasn't that much younger than him, so he married her. That uh, Mordechai was married to Esther. So the Purim Torah goes as follows. So, uh, whenever it says in the Chumash, the Kangorl should do the Avoid Yom Kippur and gain atonement for his for himself and for his family. So the Mishnah says in the first daf in Yuma, Basizulishta refers to his wife. That the Kayan's wife is permitted to eat Truma, even though she herself is not a Kohenis. Ishta Kigufoi, since the husband is a Kohen, so the wife is also treated as a Kohenis. 
So when the word bias appears in Chumash, it often refers to a wife. So how come over here it says Vatilo Levas? If that's what it means, bias, so why does it say bas? So uh, the Purim Torah goes as follows that the Talmud tells us in the end of Gemara Tainus there are three statements. One statement is Ein Isha The main purpose of getting married is to have children. You marry a wife who can, who can have children and raise children. And then another statement appears in uh, Bryce and the Talmud Ein Isha You have to marry a good looking girl. And then there's a third Bryce that says Ein Isha You have to marry a girl who's going to wear beautiful jewelry, beautiful Tachshitim to look good in the presence of her husband. So if you take the Rashi Tevis of Bonim, Yofi, and Tachshitim, that stands for bias. But the Talmud says that Esther was ugly. She was Yirak Rakas Hoysa. It says she was nice as Chain. Chain is not the same as Yofi. Chain means that it doesn't correspond to reality. Like the Talmud says, there are three Chinos, Chain, Mokam, Al We live in Washington Heights and we love it here. What is there to love about Washington Heights? We were brought, we lived in Washington Heights so long, so we used to it. Chain, Mokam, A husband looks at his wife and she's the most beautiful girl in the world. Other people look at his wife. She doesn't seem to be so good looking. Chein means when it does really correspond to reality, then you call it chein. So the Talmud says that Esther was not a good looking girl. So she didn't have the yofi. She only had the bonim and the tachshitim. So that's why it says bas. So that's, so that's the Purim Torah. But uh, there is truth in the statement that the Talmud says. When a person, when a boy is looking to get married, what is he supposed to look for? Supposed to look for a balabasta. Supposed to look for a girl who know who's interested in raising children. Find out whether she helped raise the younger children in the family. Did she help raise her nephews and her nieces? If she has married brothers and sisters. Does she know how to cook a balabasta? Does she know how to keep a niece house? Somehow the boys forgot about that. But what are you supposed to be looking for in marriage? The Talmud speaks about Yofi about looking for good looks we'll get to that a little later the Yofi and the Tachshit we'll get to a little later we will not uh, we will not neglect it in yesterday's parsha, we read about Eliezer Ebed Avram he was looking for Shirach for Yitzchak so the Pasuk says that the main thing he was looking for was that the girl should be a Balas Chesed if the girl is going to be a tough uh, cookie a very strong willed person she's not interested in helping out her husband not interested in being kind to anybody else so it's not going to be a good Shirach in order to have Shalom Bais, you have to have a husband and a wife. Each one is supposed to be interested in catering to the needs of the other one, to, to, to do chesed with the other one. Shalom Bais doesn't always come so easily. The Mishnah says, Basar Mamaris Nivra Ho'elam, and the Rabbi Shalom created the world. It says ten times by Yoimer. And uh, the different commentaries on the Mishnah and Pirkeyobis try to calculate which of the Asar Mamaris. It says more than ten times by Yoimer. So the Machsavitri from the students of Rashi comment that Shalom Bayis is a separate Bria. God created man, Nasa Adam Mitzalmena, that was one Bria, and then God created Esa Eloise Keneg to create Shalom Bayis, that's a separate Bria. It doesn't come automatically just because there's a man and a woman, it doesn't necessarily imply that they're going to live in harmony together. Shalom Bayis is a separate Bria, you have to have a lot of Chesed in order that there should be Shalom Bayis. One, a boy or a girl who's looking to get married has to look for chesed because these are the three hallmarks of the Jewish people. The rabbis tell us and it's quoted in the Shulchan Aruch also that the three meters of the Jewish people are Rachmanim, Baishonim and Gomli Chasodim. So in Shulchan Aruch they quote that if you meet a person who seems to be lacking either A, B or C Rachmanim, Baishonim and Gomli Chasodim you have to be concerned maybe he's simply not Jewish. You have to question his Jewishness. So we all have to work on ourselves that we should all have the three meters of Rachmanim, Baishonim and Gomli Chasodim 
We have to look for that in our spouses as well. The Baishonim uh, is an important uh, thing to think about for a moment. Baishonim doesn't mean timid, uh, doesn't know how to talk to a boy, doesn't know how to talk to a girl. Baishonim means humble and private. Sneers. The two terms that sneer is to do something bitsina or befrahesia. To do befrahesia means to do in public, to do bitsina means to do something in private. So Baishonim means that a person leads a private life. The idea being that. The Nabi Yeshaya describes HaKadosh Baruch Hu as a Kel Mistater. He's hiding. In fact, he does such a good job of hiding that there are many people who do not even believe that he exists. There are many atheists in the world. So, and then the Torah commands us, we should go in the ways of God. So one of the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is that he's a Kel Mistater. So he wants us also to lead a life of Bitsina. That's called Sneers. Sneers doesn't just mean how to dress. Sneers means how to talk and how to lead one's life. The whole attitude of the modern world that everyone is looking for publicity I want to have my name in the newspaper my picture and everything should be written up this is a violation of the halachta bedrach of the Shmalam leads himself he leads his activity he does all of his activities in its music fashion and he wants us to lead our lives in the same way the and the rabbis have such a comment on the Pasuk lo so the rabbis understand not only that the Jewish nation is not so great, but rather a small nation, but rather that the Jewish people are humble. We don't, uh, we're not looking for publicity, we're not uh, tumbling, we're not boisterous and so on. Many times a boy leaves the yeshiva and he's out in the workplace for a few years and he's exposed to loud girls who work in the office, who are half uh, undressed. And he thinks that that's what he's looking for. That's not what we're supposed to be looking for. We're supposed to be looking for a Jewish girl. A Jewish girl is Rahman and A Jewish boy is supposed to be Rahman and And a Jewish girl is supposed to have the same mitzvahs. So we have to first recognize who we are. We shouldn't get swept up, swept into the uh, secular culture of the country where we live, we have to work on ourselves to make sure that we retain our Jewishness, the Rahman and Bashar and Gamal Khasarim, the three meters, and look for that in a spouse. If that's after we'll get rid of all of this shtick that we have, that we live with the Umasailam and we pick up their uh, shtick. So we have to keep in mind we should work on our meters and try to marry a spouse who has the same three meters. These are the hallmarks of the Jewish people. About good looks, the Yofi Gemara says, Einish It's not only Einish, and not only a boy looks for a good-looking girl. A girl looks for a good-looking, a girl looks for a handsome boy as well. So on the one hand, the Talmud makes a statement, There are three things that give a person Yishavadas, a person is relaxed, and he's able to be creative and function well. So one is Isha no, Dira no, and Kelim noim, a good-looking wife, and a nice apartment and a beautiful furniture a neat house everything should be neat and clean and so on so on the one hand it's very important that one should have uh, a good looking wife and the wife should have a good looking handsome husband on the other hand the Gemara points out and this is absolutely true I just celebrated my 40th wedding anniversary on uh, election day but it wasn't, it wasn't so long ago I still remember a lot of my dates I remember there were girls that I went out with who were extremely good looking and they were very arrogant. 
And the same is by boys. Boys who are very handsome sometimes are very arrogant. And the Gemara makes that comment. A very handsome boy or a very good-looking girl will often go to the head. And uh, it'll be a chisaran later on. Uh, married to an arrogant person, one will absolutely suffer in marriage. The Pasuk tells us in Mishlei, that was also, the matter says that uh, Eshes Chayel was the hesped that Avram Avinu delivered on his wife Sarah. So the Hesped was that he delivered this, he commented the whole Eishas Chayla on his wife. So the Pesach says, is often intoxicating. When you see uh, a person who's, who's very handsome, or very good looking, it, uh, it is dazzling. And you don't even think about everything else. You're just uh, interested in getting to that beauty. But you see, like if you see a beautiful painting or anything, you get something very beautiful. So the Pesach says you have to be very careful. But as the Pesach concludes, If the girl has Yerashamayim, then she deserves to be praised with Achen and Yerifi as well. It doesn't mean she deserves to be praised only with a Yerashamayim. The commentaries all explain, He Salo, Chen and Yofi is, Yofi is something very valuable. I distinctly remember that when I was going out, people would tell me, I should take out this girl, she's extremely good looking. Or people would say they would recommend a certain girl, she's not that good looking, but she's a very fine girl. So when I would meet the girls, I would have a different attitude. A lot of times, the girl that they told me who was extremely good looking, I didn't think was good looking at all, because somehow when the girl answered the door, she, she opened up the door, she was chewing her chewing gum. The way she was standing up, so I wasn't impressed by her midas. <laughs> and, and, and her looks, I didn't think that she was good looking. And the other girls who were supposedly, the way they told me, they're not that good looking, but they're very fine. So I saw right away that they were very fine. And I thought that they were good looking. I think that's, uh, that's how perhaps it should be. A person should, beauty is always uh, subjective. So a person shouldn't become shikr with, with, the, with the beauty of another person, anything that's beautiful in the world. A person should feel that those things are beautiful, which are fine, which are good. That's beautiful. The commentaries on the Gemara say how important it is about a woman dressing up nicely at home to make sure that her husband still loves her. You have to, the girls have to dress up nicely, and the boys also. Not only when they go out on dates in order to land the shidduch, they have to continue to be well-groomed and to be well-dressed when they're at home. In fact, uh, this farm right, it's more important that the wife should dress up nicely at home when her husband is home, rather than when she's walking out in the street. When she's walking in the street, other people are going to see her. She's married already. She shouldn't look good for the other people. When she walks in the street, she should dress plain. When she's at home and her husband is there, then she should make sure that she dresses beautifully and she wears the tachshitim as well. You have to have the yofi and the tachshitim as well. We are all, we live in America, we're all affected by the American society. And here in America, we have this uh, Mishigas that everyone is looking for instant pleasure. <clears throat> I'm an all-American, I'm overweight, like all the Americans. Obesity is one of the big uh, problems in America, because everybody's gnashing all the time. Everybody's uh, drinking Coca-Cola all the time, everybody's gnashing all the time. They had a piece in the newspaper two years ago that the airplane fares went up, because the average weight of all of the passengers is 10 pounds more than it used to be. So the airplane is carrying another 3,000, 4,000 pounds. So, so, no, that's what they wrote in the newspaper. So that's why I have to charge more money to pay for the fuel, to cover the expenses of the fuel. That's terrible. That's because in America, everyone is so interested in pleasure. 
So that's why everyone is interested in the instant pleasure. They want to have a very good looking spouse. It is important that the husband and the wife should think that, they, that their spouse is good looking. But there's an overemphasis on looks. My host yesterday, my psychologist, was telling me that he deals with many couples. And uh, he deals with, he's a religious man. And he deals with, mainly with religious Jewish couples. And he said that uh, a lot of the boys were only looking for a girl with good looks. And after three children, they're not exactly going to look the same way that they did uh, when they married them. So they insist that their wives have to go to health clubs. And they have tzaras because the health club isn't going to help that much. Uh, in my instance, it ha- happens to be, I thought that my wife was uh, pretty good looking when I married her, but she became better looking. If you look at the photographs, it's clearly true. <laughs> when, I married her, she, when I married her, she was a, a very skinny girl. She didn't look so good. And after she had all of those nine babies, now she looks uh, wonderful. <laughs> now she's all filled in, she looks marvelous. But the other people who are Dafka looking for looks, so after the wife is going to have a few children, she may not look the same way she looked at the time that they married her. The Midrashim have a comment that when the Jewish people uh, live among the nations of the world and they pick up things from the Goyim, so the Medrash has a comment, You picked up the worst meters from the Nochem. One should pick up the good meters from the Nochem instead of picking up the worst. This happens to be a Nida Meguna that was picked up from the Umas Oilam, the overemphasis on looks and on instant gratification and instant pleasure. We shouldn't overemphasize it so much. The Novi Yirmiyah has a famous posseg that we read in the Haftar. A wealthy man shouldn't brag about the fact that he's wealthy. I remember I was once sitting at a wedding and one of the members of the board of Yeshiva was sitting next to me. And he made, he's a very wealthy man, by definition. He's a member of the board of the Yeshiva. So he tells me, Herschel, he's much older than me. So he tells me, Herschel, you shouldn't think that all of these uh, successful businessmen are such great uh, geniuses. It has nothing to do with Chochmah. It's all a mazelzach. The people talk it into themselves that it's because of their Chochmah. And they let it go to the heads, but he says it has nothing to do with Chochmah. That's what the Navi says. The wealthy man should not brag about the fact that he's wealthy. The Chochmah should not brag about the fact that he's so intelligent. The strong man should not brag about the fact that he's strong. This is how he was born. The only thing there is to brag about is if a person is a Yerei And the Gemara says, why? Because before the babies are born, the Malach, who is in charge of uh, pregnancies, in charge of babies, is going on every baby, whether the baby will be a Chacham or a Tipesh, whether the baby will be a Gibar or a Cholosh, whether the baby will be an Oshir or an Oni, and Tzadik V'Rosh Eloikomer. The Malach is not going to whether the child will be a Tzadik or Rosh, because HaKol B'Dei Shamayim, Chutz Mi so the, when you want to determine who the person is, the essence of the person, the fact that the girl or the boy is very handsome or very good looking, that's not the essence of the person. He, was, he or she was born like that. The wealth, the good looks, the genius. A person wants to marry a genius. Has to marry a bright person. They're born with the genius. What did they do, what did they do with the genius? Just because the person is a genius doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to turn out to be a good spouse. The thing that defines the person is what the person himself developed in themselves. What is that? 
the passage in the Gemara where the Gemara says that the Malach HaMamunah HaHeroyon is goes around the baby whether it's going to be a Chocham or a Tipesh an Oshu or an Oni a Gibar or a Cholosh is just paraphrasing that Pasuk Al-Yitzalel Chacham etc. So that's not really something to look for. You shouldn't look for a Chochma or a Gvura or Ashiras. You don't want to marry a stupid person. Okay, a person has to have a spouse that they can carry on an intelligent conversation with. You don't want to marry a bad-looking person. Okay, you have to have Yofi. You don't want to marry a very poor individual. Your life will be miserable. You want to have in-laws who are not necessarily well-off, but you don't want very poor in-laws. Okay. But, uh, but this shouldn't be a uh, defining of who the person is, the Chachma with the Gvur, with the Ashiris and the Yofi. What defines the person is the Yerashamayim. As the Pasuk says, Shek Rachem Yofi, Isha Yerash Hashem The other things we're born with, that's not really uh, a definition of who we are. <coughs> a lot of times people make a big mistake. A girl thinks, how can I marry that boy? What will my girlfriend say? He's not good looking. He's not so smart. Oh, he's going to go into the rabbinate. He's not going to go into the rabbinate. Whatever direction. My friends will laugh at me if I marry a businessman. So she has to marry a rabbi. My friends will laugh at me if I marry a rabbi. Or the boy will say, how can I marry such a girl? My friends will laugh at me that I married a girl who's not good looking and not, so, not a genius. She wasn't the, the valedictorian at graduation or something. It's a big mistake. You're not marrying the spouse for your friends. You're marrying for yourself. You have to forget about your friends. If they're, real, if they're really good friends, they'll be happy that you, that you found a girl or a boy that you're happy with. And if they'll be laughing about the fact that you married such a person, so obviously they're not such good friends. And furthermore, they, people move on. I'm married 40 years. I don't have so many friends. From, from elementary school is up here that I don't have any friends. From high school for sure not from college... I have uh, five, uh, five friends, probably. Those who are still in learning. Those are some who live in the neighborhood. Some, uh, you don't have so many friends from, co- from ecology. Years. You're not going to maintain such friendships. People move on in life. You move from one city to the other. You don't maintain the same friends. So this is ridiculous. A lot of times, people have the attitude, I'm going to show my parents who's boss. I'm, I'm going to marry the girl or the boy that they don't want me to marry. I'm going to show them. That's the way to make a decision. I'm going to show my parents who's the boss. Sometimes the pa- I belong to the parents' union. Sometimes the parents know what they're talking about. Sometimes the parents know better than the children. The children are younger. True. The parents are married already, a different generation. But the parents have a lot of life's experience. But this is utterly ridiculous. The children have the attitude, I'm going to marry this person in order to show my parents that uh, I'm on my own. This is a silly, uh, silly attitude to have. I remember when I was dating, we had a colorful Rebbe in Yeshiva University by the name of Rabbi Yeruchim Gerelik. So he uh, was giving me instructions what to look for in marriage. So he told me, Herschel, make sure you don't marry a serious girl. Because when you go through life, you'll have, go through a lot of crises. If you marry a serious girl or a boy, the same thing for a girl. Don't marry a serious person. Because when you go through life, there'll be so many crises that the serious person will become over-serious and uh, you'll, you'll suffer in your marriage. You have to marry a cheerful person so that when you go through a crisis, and every year there's some other crisis, it's not shy, uh, everybody has a crisis in life, when you go through a crisis, so the person will be serious. But if you marry a serious person, so they'll be over-serious. It's a good piece of uh, advice.
Very often, this is usually the case for a boy, very often a boy is afraid to propose to a girl because he's afraid that the girl will turn him down. He's so afraid of being hurt, so he'd rather risk, he thinks that it's a nice girl. He'd rather lose the opportunity to marry this nice girl rather than suffer the hurt. This stuff ridiculous. In life we always take risks. How does a person go into business? And if, you don't, if you don't take any risks, so you'll never have any advancement. You always have to take a risk. This is a foolish thing. I remember years ago, I was telling some of the boys last Friday night, someone wanted to know a story about Rabbi Salvation that was never printed. <laughs> so I told them a story that was never printed. I remember on, uh, my uncle and aunt lived in Boston, not far from Rabbi Soloveitchik's uh, shul. So I would visit uh, every so often by my aunt and uncle on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Yom Tovim, to daven in Rabbi Soloveitchik's shul. So I remember once on Rosh Hashanah morning after the davening, Rabbi Soloveitchik introduced me to his wife. He didn't remember my name. So he started to say, this is, didn't remember my name. So I said, Herschel Shechter. So he said, no, I remember your name. I'm just trying to figure out how he's going to introduce me to his wife. He didn't remember my name. <laughs> so he said, this is one of my students. We should have him over for dinner. We should have him over now. So his wife, who is a very fine woman, she's a very kind woman. So she said, no, the young man will enjoy it better by his aunt and uncle. And Rabbi Salvechik said, no, he'll enjoy it better by us. I didn't understand why she's so mean. She doesn't know that a student at Talmud would certainly enjoy uh, visiting his Rebbe on Yontif. I didn't understand what was going on until we got to their home. Because uh, when we were walking home, I was walking with Rabbi Salvechi with a group of men. She was walking with other women and young girls. When we sat down at this little square table, so he was sitting opposite his wife. And I was sitting opposite a young lady on the other side of the table. So he meant, let the young man eat by us, means and let him meet the girl. And she meant it's like a horse and a cow. What, what do they have? The girl was uh, three or four years older than me. And she married a doctor. She wasn't interested in marrying a boy. She, her husband is a learned fellow, but he's not a person. He's not going to be a person that's going to sit and learn in the yeshiva. So that was the story that I told them from Rabbi Salavach. So I remember the next, the next day, I was invited to eat by the Meiselmans. So I was telling them how humorous it was. Yesterday, Rabbi Salavach had me eat at his home. He thought I was going to be interested in this girl. The girl is older than my sister. My sister is two years older than me. She goes to school. My sister, she's a year greater to older than my sister. So Mrs. Meiselman, who is Rabbi Salvechik's sister, said, well, in our family, the family tradition is that the girls can be older than the boys because the Nitziv married a girl who was significantly quite a few years older than himself. So I remember that time Dr. Meiselman, all of us, the dentist, Dr. Meiselman said, he read recently a survey that they published in the Reader's Digest that 85% of the situations when a boy proposes to a girl, they accept the proposal. So he says, I should, I should uh, even if the girl is a few years older than me, if I'm interested, I should take out the girl and I should propose, and 85% chances will be that the girl will accept the proposal. <laughs> no, no. She married Baruch Hashem, she married someone else. <laughs> but the main thing is, when a person is looking to marry, you have to first figure out who you are. We have to realize that we are from Klal Yisrael, Rahman, and Baishanim, Gamlech, Hasodim. And Baishanim means Sneas, and Sneas doesn't only mean dress. That's one aspect of Sneas. Sneas means to lead a private life. And even if we live in a society where, where uh, the whole society is fighting against this, the whole secular society in America, and even if a person works in it, you don't have to work in an office, just walk in the street. 
everything is uh, the opposite of all of these three midas we have to realize that that's who we are these are the three simonim these are the hallmarks of the Jewish people we have to make sure that that's what we should look for in a spouse and we should realize that uh, when we're going through various stages of shtick in our lives shtick because of the American society and shtick because the people are single and so on so we have to realize this is not really part of ourselves what are we supposed to look like after all of the shtick is over who are we really and then after we'll realize who we really are then we'll be able to properly uh, look for a spouse if we, if, we, if we don't know clearly whom we are then we won't be able to find uh, an appropriate spouse thank you very much